0: Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged podcast. So today I have a brother from another, I mean, we had an opportunity to meet and greet and we, you know, we talked a couple of different times on some virtual coffees, but I think we really made that connection when we went to the Success Champions Summit together and his company was a sponsor for that event as well too. We just kind of like just shot the shit, talked a lot of different things and like the information just kept on flowing, going back and forth. So I'm going to name Brett the Maverick boss for obvious reasons. We're going to get into like the, the meaning behind Maverick and, and what are we really talking about? So the floor is yours. Why don't you give our audience a little bit more about who you are and what we're going to be talking about today, Brett?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. And and was a pleasure uh, meeting you as well. I thought we had uh, some really, really great conversations. So again, it's always always really good to meet people in person, even though you've talked to them over you know over the phone or had some VCs or whatnot. So I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, Brent Hale, uh, founder, uh, CEO of Maverick App. Maverick App is a uh, sales enablement and prospecting machine, if you will. Um, and it just helps, uh, it helps with the workflow for the sales reps have help fixing that problem in the workflow and allowing a consistent effort in your business development and your engagement. Um, so my background has always been in sales um, in some capacity. Um, I've developed a lot of sales teams. I've also been a an account executive in sales roles. And so um, really what drove me to kind of get with Maverick or, or to get Maverick in motion was really the pain points that I saw in sales and business development and hunting and and why that job is so hard. So, um, you know, probably talk a little bit about that today and talk about, you know, kind of the nuances of, of how I look at sales and how I look at that hunting aspect of sales. I'm um, a sports guy, uh, very competitive, um, and I love what I do. So thanks
0: again. Very, very, very cool. I think one of the key words that you said repeatedly, and I think you've just been programmed to say this because like the app itself by default is the great area that people have the perception of it being more of a marketing tool. But again, your keyword word was sales, 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 sales. So let's get the mm-hmm. elephant out of the room. Let's kick it in this ass, get it out the front door, like define the, the best user case analysis for your platform, obviously starting with, with sales reps.
1: Yeah, so so you you hit it on, on the head, right? Like the, I say, sales, and I and I don't say marketing, and, and even from a platform perspective, we use certain verbiage within our platform that is not marketing, right? Campaign is a marketing word to me. Sequences is a marketing word to me, so we don't use them because we want it to be understood that this is truly a sales platform. This is a one-to-one interaction, engagement, building a relationship, asking for business, asking for the next move, uh, and then and then subsequent steps beyond that, right? So there's a ton that goes into sales beyond. On just the original outreach. Like your original outreach is one thing, but then there's additional touches that need to happen. If somebody says, no, not now. If somebody says, yeah, hit me up, you know, Q4, Q3, whatever it might be. And even when somebody's interested in a conversation, you know, there's on average five additional touches that are needed after a first interaction. So there's so many components to the sales world and the, to the interaction with people that you have when you're engaging in sales. Uh, but the problem is there's not a lot of tools out there that really help that workflow. There are tools that help a component of that workflow, but not one that helps all of it. so the idea of Maverick is, well, let's take in and automate an entire front end part of a of reps process, right? The hunting part of it. In order to do appropriate hunting, I have, to, I have to find leads and I have to curate lists and I have to research and I have to find email addresses and phone numbers and all of those things, right? But in order to reach out to them, I then now need another tool that's going to do that process for me. So I'm stuck kind of filtering through this list, even though if I have a system that, that does it for me, I got to find this list, then I got to export it, import it, map it to another tool that I've purchased. And then try to utilize that tool. Um, ultimately, what's up happening is you don't use those tools correctly, or you don't use any of the other tool, uh, and and you companies end up spending a lot more money than they want uh, because reps aren't really utilizing it the way that they were designed. Um, so we've kind of taken that out of the equation. So let's just let's just mix everything. Let's just take all the tools that everybody kind of uses and just create one thing that makes the sales reps' life easier, not harder.
0: Good. So let's break down those components. I mean, obviously, I think the user base of this particular podcast, if they're not familiar, we're going to get them very familiar with your product and like the user cases. So a CRM, right? And again, mm-hmm. that, that, that's a that's a product that utilizes customers, right? And again, it, it's CRM. And then you also have email, right? So yep. that may be MailChimp. You may have HubSpot. Both of those platforms are marketing platforms. Your platform has elements of both those platforms, but it's used a little bit differently than those platforms. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, hundred um, percent. So we there's certain things within the platform. Yeah, you have your email component and, and you know your automation of if nobody replies after X days, like I want this to go and I want this to go, right? But, but it very much is one to one in in a one to one communication way. So it doesn't allow for big templated marketing, you know, emails to go. Out. It doesn't have big pictures, like things that you would normally see within a, a true marketing email that nine out of ten times is realistically probably going to go to spam or junk or, or get deleted. This is an automated way to outreach and to reach a, a, a large amount of people, your target audience, but to do it in a more personalized way, to do it in a way where, it, where you know who I am and, and I'm, I'm reaching out to you and letting you know who I am as an individual, but also as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the things about sales in general or business development is that a small, small percentage of your buying market is buying right now, right? So only 3% is buying right now, which means 97% percent, the vast majority need more interaction, right? So your first interaction with people is, is simply asking them the question of like, are you, are you a three percenter, right? Uh, are, are you open to buying right now? Are, are you interested in what we have? You know, I want to build a relationship one-to-one with you. Um, you know, I've had this conversation a lot with people where, you know, the difference between marketing and sales, and if you were to kind of paint that picture, and you know, really marketing is kind of they, they tell the story of your brand. They tell the story of who you are and, 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 and what your brand is all about. And then the rep job is to actually bring that story to life and actually make people feel that story and feel, feel what your brand is and, and know what your brand is. So um, the platform is designed to be able to do that, to be able to actually build a relationship so that people can understand your brand from you as the rep versus from just, a, from just marketing material coming into their into their process.
0: Got it. So, I mean, I'm just listening to you. I mean, you sound so data driven, right? I mean, obviously, you're pulling all these insights. You've been in the game for a period of time. You've been plugged in. And it kind of leads me to the conversation that we had. And I kind of found out that you were a history buff. So I want to kind of like talk about like, how does someone be so engulfed in history and then pull that into being more of an intellectual tech person? Like, is there some symmetry between these two philosophies?
1: Um, maybe. Um, you know, I I think I'm, I'm history because I'm I'm fascinated by the evolution of it. So I I think that there's probably a lot to that with you know bringing those two together because I'm fascinated by where we were and what we do now. And 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 if you really think back, and you're just like, I can't believe we did that, but but we did right. And in in things that we built and things that we tore down, it doesn't matter, right? But but history is fascinating because you see the evolution of of us as humans, right? And so um, for me you know the idea of maverick happened 20, 20 years ago. Right. And, and just kind of in my work, you know, I was always just like, why doesn't somebody do this? Why doesn't somebody do this one thing? And I never really thought in my brain mm-hmm. that I would do it. It, never, it was never a reality. Um, but over time I saw the evolution of certain things and I saw the evolution of like technology and, and, and this data and you start to see it and you start to live it as a rep and you're just like, okay, like I'm living it. So it's one thing to be able to go and do the research and to pull all these numbers in. It's another thing to live it. So I can actually say, I know, it takes 10 additional touches to to interact with somebody. I know that just because I follow up with somebody when they say they said to follow up with them, that doesn't mean jack anything, right? It doesn't mean that I'm going to get a response. It doesn't mean I'm going to so there has to be additional touches to that. So um, I do, you know, again, I'm a history buff because I, I love to I love to understand where we were. I love to understand like what got us to that point, and then understand kind of our evolution from that point and to where we are today with with everything. Um, it's just it's just fascinating to me to understand it. So from a technical perspective, I love to understand kind of where we were even twenty years ago and where we are today, and how we're able to utilize that information.
0: I mean, yeah, I think I think this is a fascinating conversation because I mean, obviously, like in that conversation, we talked about like. European culture versus American culture and then yeah. like, we're talking about historical hundreds not even thousands of years differences between you can walk down the street in, in, in Europe and that's pretty much the original like cobblestone mm-hmm. versus in the US it's been broken up and rebuilt like a thousand times so in your field of what you're doing I think I think it's it's apple to apple comparison right I mean obviously yep. there's been email marketing there's been CRM there's been sales forever but now you're taking the things that you learned from the past and you're development and you're making it a systematized system, that way it can be utilized to get the best results. Is that not correct?
1: Yeah, it is, and and it's 100 correct. And it's very much kind of that similar evolution, right? And so when we talk about that history, we talking about like go to Europe versus now. You know, people come to Boston, they're like, oh, Boston's so much history, right? And then and then if you take that one step further and you go to Europe, you're like, oh, okay, there's no history in Boston, right? Like that's such a there's so so little history over there. And you know, uh, you know, being in Italy and being over there and just just everything that you see, knowing that it's thousands of years old, right? But if you look at it in kind of a weird mappy way, right, if we look at as we come west, the evolution, like what we've done, we haven't even really caught up yet, right? Like, so as we start to go west in the U.S., like, you know, there's still a lot of old money on the east that hasn't really caught up to the west, right? And so, so yeah, you know, when people are like, oh, there are tools out there that do certain things, it's like, there's always room though. There's always room for improvement because we think about things differently and and we've experienced things differently. Right. And so, um, and I think a lot of it is just coming to terms with the reality of the tools that we have, like they're really awesome, but do they truly do what I need them to do? Or am I just kind of on the bandwagon of they're really awesome. Right. And so, and so it's kind of, but, it, but it's, 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 it's kind of that idea of like you can just continue to evolve this thing, continue to make it better and continue to listen to people and hear it. And so all of these things historically that we've had at our fingertips over the years, you know, have been great. But now it's time for the evolution of like new things to come and, and new things to come out that we're not used to, mm-hmm. That maybe go against the grain of, of what we're traditionally told.
0: So, like, and, and I'm, I'm breaking you down, like, and, and, I, and I want the user to kind of really understand it. So, obviously, like, you love history, you love technology, but when you combine these two things with someone that's highly competitive, which you are, like, oh. it becomes a whole nother ball game. So, I want to, like, talk about I mean, in, in your bio, you were talking about being a professional soccer player. Like, how did that even come into this this equation, considering, like, as much as you love history, as much as you love technology, where did the sport angle come into this?
1: Um, well, I think you know athletes are, are competitive in general, right? So they're going to drive to to be better than they are. Um, from my perspective, you know, soccer was just something I always did. I was just I was a soccer player in high school. I, I was, you know, I, I worked at it. It was one of those things that I really appreciated and that I really wanted to work at. And so, you know, being able to get into a semi professional type of environment was great for me. Um, and it was a, and it was a huge experience. And you and you learn and talk, learn a lot. The, the funny thing about it is, as I started to grow in my career. In soccer the more i realized how good i wasn't at soccer <laughs> because because i realized that there were people out there that were significantly better than me and that really have been doing this since they were three years old right and and had the ability to put you know all the time in the world into it and that was literally the only thing they did right so you kind of had to come to this moment of in all reality like could i could i yes i could but but you know, maybe you weren't, you're not as good as, as you perceived yourself to be in the past. Right. And so, um, I think it's very much, if you're able to learn from those things, like, you know, a sport, you learn from it, you train, you you develop yourself, right. Constantly doing that. And you should be doing that. It should be the same with sales. It should be the same with, with your job, right. Constantly looking yourself in the mirror and saying like, where can I change? Where can I get better? Where do I train myself? Where do I, where do I, uh, you know, not go to the gym, but where do I go to the gym for, for my job. Like, where's my brain, my brain gym at, you know, Um, And so a lot of that, you know, I know we'll probably talk about it, but to get into the Maverick and stuff, like a lot of that is really based around the idea of what a Maverick is. It's like literally going against the grain, right? Literally going against like everything that we know and do something that's out of our comfort zone and see if it changes the game. And so um, in terms of sports, like I I was always willing to like, just be the guy that the the biggest hustler, somebody that would do some untraditional things in my training. Um, and, And that's kind of always, that was my competitive spirit has always come. Down to to my job and what I'm doing um, with gotcha. other
0: people. So I mean, to, to, to quote the movie Maverick, right? I mean, you got some balls, Sticky jockey right? So I mean, like that, that's that's who you are. That's what you're representing, right? So like, just talk about like the name of Maverick. I mean, obviously there could have been a thousand different names and references yeah. to Top Gun. Like, why did you pick that particular name for that software?
1: Yeah, so uh, great question. I get it a lot. So I, I originally started a, a digital company, and and I created the digital company called Heretic, Heretic Technology Group. And so not from the idea of what heretic, like a religious heretic, but but what an actual heretic is, right? And so somebody that just completely goes against the grain, does their own thing, like almost intentionally does something deli- like different than than what everyone else is doing. And so once we started coming out with Maverick and coming out and decided we want to build this product. The name was purely based on that. What's what's another name for a heretic, essentially? And that was a maverick. Like, right? be a maverick, be somebody totally different, totally, you know, yourself, totally, you know, against the grain, and and march at a different beat. And so that's why we chose it. Now, as far as Top Gun goes, and where where that all came in, people kind of just started to ask us questions. And you know, are you a Top Gun fan? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I love Top Gun. My dad was in the Air Force, like, he flew airplanes. It's, you know, it's awesome. And so then, as we started to develop and evolve, we really got. Super hyper focused on making sure that this was a sales tool, and not a marketing tool mm-hmm. and making sure that that people were able to kind of separate the two and know that it wasn't. So that's when we started to think about our verbiage and some of the stuff we were using with Top Gun and, and that we could utilize things that could immediately relate our brand back to something, else, another brand that is is popular, right? Um and so that's kind of how that evolved. It just evolved into this idea and people asking questions and they're like, okay, well let's just run with this. And it's worked out really well for us because we can, you know, we can get you know, talk about some specific things and people can are able to delineate the the you know marketing and the sales part of it. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean the name itself is is really because I, I just believe in, and I push this on people that that you know work a maverick and, and the way we go is just Truly, truly going against the grain, like like being your own self and 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 doing things that are maybe a little bit untraditional. Um, and see what happens, right? And and if bad things happen, cool. Like, I mean, you know, nothing terrible is gonna happen, but but, but be your own person and kind of go against the grain and, and try new things.
0: I think it's interesting because I mean you brought up your dad, you were saying that, you know, he was pretty much a top gun pilot, right? I mean, he was flying planes, and so it like it kind of leads me kind of going down this the stem of the maverick comparison so your dad essentially is the maverick and, and you're a rooster right so like let's talk about like this direct thing like what kind of kid were you did you grow up in a competitive environment like knowing that your dad was doing these things or did you kind of grow into that as you got older uh
1: no so i've always been competitive uh like to a point where my, my parents had to like bring me down a notch right so i i would would get so angry about losing a tecmo super bowl that my parents had to literally get rid of our nintendo because i I just i would break stuff i would just get so mad um you know and and, but that competitive spirit you know my so my father was in the air force when i was very young but most of my years my my father was actually building a, a company as well um and and so i learned a lot from him both from building a company, but both, both, both the drive that it requires and the intention that it requires. Um, and then of course, the competitive spirit, right? I, mean, I've, I was kind of always raised up like, there's not really a thing, that, there's no such thing as second, right? Like second's not not really an option, right? Of course, it's great to get it, but but the reality is the second isn't an option because first should just always be what you're striving for. Yeah. Um, so I I would say that I definitely get a competitive spirit from from my father. I I'm probably more competitive, he might argue with that, but I'm probably more competitive. Um, but but I definitely get a lot from him um, and from his drive and what he was able to accomplish in his life. Um, and a lot of that was just visual, you know, just me noticing, you know, it wasn't necessarily even something that he said, but I visually could see it and just be like, okay, that's something that probably has to be done and if, if I want to get to this next level. Um, so I give him a lot of credit for, for a lot of stuff that, I, that I've done to date because um, he never uh, he never gave in, he never handed us anything. It was just like, figure it out on your own. Um, and so that's kind of what you got to go do.
0: Nice. Nice. So let's, talk about, about you as an individual now, right? I mean, obviously Maverick is a keyword that can define you and define your company, but what other three to five words would you choose to define or represent you?
1: Wow, That's a great question. <laughs> um, uh, energetic for sure. Uh, outgoing, Um, you know, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, introvert and extrovert, depending on, on the situation, um, you know, I'm, uh, I think a big one would be, would be different. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm definitely a different cat. Like and, and and I own that and I'm okay with that, right? I I um I I joke around a lot, I'm serious, I'm not serious a lot, I'm serious a lot, you know. So uh I'm a different person. I, I really try to try to beat by my like walk by my the beat of my own drum, you know, and, and kind of be be who I am. Um and hopefully that comes out and, and you know is is good for other people that that I'm surrounding myself with. Um, but definitely energetic driven driven would be another one, um, extremely driven. Um, and maybe in a different way than than a lot of people are driven. Um you know, I think we, we did a we, we saw a talk at, at Babs and, you know, they kind of talked about, like, what drives us to do what we do. And, and she felt like it was five layers. Right. And I was like, I was like, no, i get to one layer. Right. Like, like I'm driven by insecurities. Right. And I think everybody's driven by insecurities. I could write a book about how people are driven by their insecurities. Right. So whatever that insecurity is, like, it just drives me. It's like whatever, whatever I'm looking at that I'm insecure, that something might not get done or something might not get accomplished or it's not going to get done in a way that I think is good enough. Like that insecurity is just constantly driving me. Um, so, so it's certainly driven, um, is another one as well. So I think there's probably a lot of different, uh, words, but I, I can't say that I've ever had anyone like ask me to point it out on my own. <laughs>
0: Very cool. So, I mean, I think you talked about insecurities and obviously you're dealing with with, with other corporations. You're dealing with B2B, you're dealing with sales teams and you're dealing with all types of different personalities. So without naming names, how has your personality and a a conflicting personality have bumped heads and how did you work that out over a period of time?
1: Uh, yeah, so that's probably happened in, in both personal and business. I mean, you know, you talk to a lot of different people and, and people w- w- go through totally different educational processes, as I call them, right? So they've been exposed to totally different things. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just, I'm a believer in looking in the mirror. So like, you know, I've, I've certainly butted heads with a lot of people. I'm, I'm outgoing, I'm loud, often I'm, I'm direct, you know, and, and sometimes that doesn't sit well with people. So um, I think sometimes just kind of pulling back the reins and being able to communicate to myself off, off topic and then come back to the Situation and 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 readdress it has certainly been a way to do it, um, but also just fully respecting respecting people and and what they have to say and what they have going on, right? Um, you know, I I I've certainly come up against other businesses and other things that we've had butting head conversations, and I think at the end of the day, if you can walk away with just pure respect of I respect your opinion, I respect where you're at, and 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 go the other way, um, you know, not, nothing kind of beats that, um, but. But it's definitely, you know, I, I I talk about it with people uh, a lot, and I'm not sure of like my my directness, my openness. Like it's probably helped me in so many cases, and in other cases, it actually hurt me. Um, but I've never really thought about it, right? I just that's kind of just who who I am by by nature. Um, but I think in more ways than anything, it's it's helped me because I've been able to be, you know, really honest with people and direct, and then get and get that in reciprocation. You know, when when I'm honest and direct with them, I feel like they're honest and direct with me. So
0: um it ends up working out okay so i mean let's spin off of that so obviously you're you're a direct person like you know you speak your mind you tell people exactly how it is you 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 require what what is needed to get done for the job but ideally you're also a a historian as well right so Mm -hmm. thinking about the time frame of where your business is and when you started it is there anything that you could think about or a time that you would like to go back and whisper something in your ears to change the outcome to make where you are happen a little bit faster
1: um, no, no, not, not anything specific. I, I think there's probably a million things. Like if I'm able to go back and realistically look at every portion of that's happened, there's probably a million things, but I'm also very much of the mindset that I don't, I'm I'm a very happy person. I'm very happy in my life. I'm very happy in my marriage. I'm very Right. So like, it, I'd be remiss if I went back and said, I regret something that got me to this point or I wish I had changed it because I probably wouldn't have got me to this point, right? And so that means like something totally different would have changed in my life. So it's hard for me to go back. Um, there, are, there are decisions from a, uh, from a maturity level uh, that I wish that I had done differently. Uh, there, were, there are jobs that I was in when I was younger that I thought I was better than, than that. Right. Uh, or or that I thought I was high up. I thought I was doing better than I was doing. Right. Um, I thought I knew more than I knew. Um, you know, so from a maturity level, there was a lot of ways that I communicated with my managers or communicated with direct reports um, that if I could go back, I would probably, knowing what I know now, probably not, not have communicated that way or, or been immature in that way. Right. But at the same time, I was really young. Right. It was it was early in my career. I I only knew what I knew. Right. I just thought I knew more than I knew. Right. And so now knowing what I know, um, I think there are some bridges that I, that I probably burned that I, if I could go back, I wouldn't have burned those bridges. Right. Um, and so that's, that's been really alarming to me over the years and, and mainly just because of my own education. Like I'm just starting to understand like, okay, I didn't know anything then. Right. <laughs> like I thought I did, but I really didn't. Right. And so, um, so, yeah, so, so nothing from a regrettable standpoint of like whispering the ear, of like, go change this, other than, you know, I, I probably would have changed the way that I communicated with people at a certain point in my life.
0: So, I mean, let's th- just take that and let, let's unpack that a little bit. So, obviously, you're talking about. You wouldn't change anything, but I think in today's world, in the system that you're building and the automation that you're building, I think some of the things that you learn from your mistakes, you're probably in, in, like implementing that into your current system. So like, just talk about what systems do you have in place for like onboarding new clients when red flags are raised? How are those managed through Maverick?
1: yeah so you know big thing for us customer success right and, and that does it comes comes with learning right and so we and we've learned even from when maverick was here to, you know we started it to now like how we communicate and how we take care of our customers we, we've been learning and we still learn uh but certainly in the past with other companies you know i've learned you know customers the most important thing customers a number one right and so so a lot of our hyper focus is really on like what makes them what makes their job easier what makes them happier what makes you know what they're what they're going to do easier and that's right down onboarding but the biggest the biggest thing is just clarity right like being very clear in what you're, you're providing to people, being very clear about what your job is and being very clear about what my job is in, in our engagement, right? Because that's such a huge component because, you know, the, what they say about assumptions, right? And that's a very real thing. Like when you, and I, and I always talk about like, when you don't have the right data or you don't have the right information, all you're left to do is create an unlimited amount of conspiracy theories in your head, right? So like without putting the proper information out there, Good, bad and different, like lay it out there. Mm -hmm. So there's no question about it after. Right. And so that's a huge thing that we implement and we're doing very active right now. just being very, very clear with, with what, you know, what people should be doing and what the expectation is and what's outlined. Right. And so from a product perspective, you know, we've obviously, I've learned over time it, it, a, a ton about workflow and what's important and follow-ups and, and building a relationship and, and being connected to the right people and staying connected and doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah, I will follow up with you in Q2. Well, you better follow up with somebody in Q2, right? And so, um, so from a platform perspective, we've put things in place that almost make that a no-brainer because it's so important for follow-up. Yet task management doesn't work. Great. Let's eliminate task management, pre-create it, schedule out the send. And now your, your task management has been eliminated, but you're still doing what you say that you're going to do. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of from our platform and learning of growing is like just Almost eliminating the excuses from the equation for people They're Just saying, because there are a lot, there's, there's tons of excuses everywhere, right? So, but learning that there are certain things in your workflow or certain things that you're doing with customers or with your sales reps, they cannot happen or have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we try to build that into a workflow. So we we make it dummy proof. We're like, well, we're just going to eliminate the excuses for you and, and make it easy for you to do. Um, in which case that will ultimately make you better at, at your job.
0: Wow. So, I mean, I think obviously it goes back to that key word that's behind your head for people that are watching the video right now. I mean, obviously you believe in what you're doing. You believe in your systems. You believe in your processes. You believe in in your employees and you believe in your customers. And it kind of goes back to what you said, like your dad was a a hell of an entrepreneur. So you grew up in an entrepreneurial environment where you kind of got some of these information through osmosis, through seeing your dad doing it. Do you collectively say that you are who you are right now and as successful as you are because of being in that environment? And growing up
1: um yeah in a lot of ways because there's a lot of things that he did that i don't do right like that, that i'm like i don't i don't want to do that right like i i'm unwilling to sacrifice my family for for the job right um and not that my dad was willing to sacrifice family but that was during a period of time in which like you didn't have cell phones and you didn't have email right like like you had to work like it 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 was you know, you you had to spend the time and you had to be away and you had to travel and you had to be in the office. Right. And so, so some of those things I look back on, I'm like, okay, like I have the ability to not have to do that and I'm not going to sacrifice and I'm not going to do it. Right. Because I know that he wouldn't have wanted to do it, but he had to. So, so I learned from it of like, he just did what he had to do. But at the same time, I learned from of like, okay, like, but like that component of it though, I, I refuse to like compromise on that. Right. So, so from that there, there definitely is, um, you know, but then, you know, that that work ethic i think you're always going to see the work ethic like if if somebody's in front of you with hard work ethic if you have any driving you that's going to drive you to kind of want to do it and, and have good work ethic as well um but i think it's like anything you've said a bunch of times like i believe what i'm doing i appreciate what i'm doing yeah and that makes my work ethic that much better right like if you don't like what you're doing your work ethic really isn't going to be very good it doesn't matter doesn't matter who you are or what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so watching him and just, you know, I, I learned a lot from both sides of, of watching him, um, you know, come up in, in business and understand both the sacrifice that sometimes you have to make and then, but also understanding like your line of like where, where I'm not gonna compromise or, or, you know, where I don't feel like I should have to compromise.
0: So I mean that that's a good segue to talk about like where your your family are. I mean obviously like you're married, you have kids. So like just talk about like how have you learned to do like the work life balance, or is that even a real thing, right? I mean, or is your is your family included in your work life, or is it completely separated?
1: Yeah. Um, again, good question. You know. Um i've been fortunate enough for years even for own company to, to work from home um and and i'm fortunate that, that my wife does well so so we're able to and does well as well so we're, we're able to, to to piggyback off that and she works from home so it makes it easier for us because we can you know we have that that component together and, and our daughter's here a lot so um but but it really has always come down to uh, I, I work really hard when when there's requirements that need to be, be done right but at the end of the day if there's something that needs to be accomplished and it's that or my my family and there's something that needs to be accomplished isn't really impacting anything uh, every time i'm going to drop that i'm going to go to my family right and so it's almost like this forced you know you don't it, you don't work it in not for me anyway i haven't like, worked it into like my process like i just force myself like right i, I force myself at 5 30 i'm up i eat dinner with my family and i and when my daughter goes to bed i i kind of come back to work right but in that in between time I don't care. Like there's no, like that's forced time for me. Like it does not matter what's happening. That's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not, um, I, I, for lack of better words, like I'm not super into like the hustle porn, right? Like go, 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 kill yourself, do it until you hate everything that you're doing and like you can't breathe, think or whatever. Like I'm just not into it. I just don't I don't think at the end of the day it accomplishes anything, right? Like I think that you need to hustle when you need to hustle and 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 when your brain tells you you got you gotta take a break, like you gotta to listen to your brain, right? Like you you just gotta do it. Um so I'm a big believer in that. So so I guess the long way around is like, I don't really like bake it into anything. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very deliberate about it. I'm very deliberate of, of, of what, again, what I'm willing to give up and what I'm willing to, to not give up. Um, and I just work really hard in, in the in-between. Hmm.
0: So, I mean, based upon what you just said, I'm just going to pull some keywords. I mean, you're talking about being deliberate. You're talking about, um, force, not in a negative way, but uh, like you're waking up at five thirty. So that kind of leads me to like. You're pretty structured, even though you don't want to be that you are. So what is your morning routines? Like, what are you doing at 530 in the morning and how does your day actually start?
1: Well, so the five o'clock usually is, is the afternoon. So we do get up early, but really that's just you know getting my daughter up, getting her ready to go, mm-hmm. uh, and and hanging out with her, getting her breakfast, um, and and whether it's bringing her to school or camp or whatever it might be. Um, so again, a lot a lot of a lot of my mental is you know family, right? When when there's opportunities to hang out with the family, hang out with the family, um, and, and then and then usually it's kind of go up. Uh, you know in the summertime I, I like to get out there early you know seven a m and go do some yard work. Honestly, <laughs> so, like it's like in my gym for me it's so, like i I will put my boots on and go do yard work until nine o'clock. I'll come in, take a shower, sit at my desk and and go and and it kind of just acts as as you know my my mental escape and I can kind of get my day started with both some exercise but also with some mindless work to allow my brain to kind of start getting in the day. So, um, I love doing a lot of that in the, um, in the, in the summertime cause it gets, gets me going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, but for the most part, pretty laid back mornings. I mean, honestly, like it's, it's, it's getting up and getting going and it's kind of talking about your day and understanding like what's happening. Um, but even that is, you know, there becomes a certain point where you, you know, okay, we've got to start our day now and you go up and, um, but that, but, but again, I'm deliberate about that and strict with that. So when I get into my office, you know, I, I'm there, right? you know. My door is shut. Like I, I almost never come out. Right? Like I, I don't eat. I mean, I fast now, but it all kind of started because my wife's like, "Well, you don't eat anyway, so you might as well just fast." Right? And I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll intermittent fast." So, you know, I, I don't come out for for eating. Like I come out to take to take breaks for. Um, to go to the bathroom and to get my my tea or whatever, right? Um, so those are kind of the things I talk about. Where like when I am in it, I'm I'm really into it, right? But then I'm deliberate about pulling myself out of it too and saying, okay, it's it's time to shut it off. It's time to go downstairs and 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 hang out with with my daughter or, or whatever it is.
0: So I mean, I mean, I brought up believe and and just hearing you speak, I mean, obviously you're inspirational, like you're you're motivating, and again, like you're you're a high achiever. Is any of this things that you can kind of relate back to um, let's say a book that you read or books that you're reading right now that you would like to recommend to our audience?
1: Um, you know I thought some somebody, somebody might uh, say that and I don't you know I, I can't say that that I have a, a lot of books that, that I can be like, hey, go out like I can tell you that these are awesome books right i've I've read a, a decent amount of business books and I've read a decent amount. I'm a big kind of, again, history buff and that I really appreciate going and reading about history and I appreciate documentaries and I appreciate just understanding all of that. Right. Um, You know, so I'm not I'm I'm really driven by understanding what other people do in in current day and understanding how people uh, are driven to that, you know, like. People will do talks and people gravitate to those talks and it's like, that's their end all be all, right? And it's like, well, I got to do exactly what they do, right? And so that's fascinating to me because it's like, you don't, right? We Let's look at let's listen to them and let's take 1% and go do that, right? But, but at the end of the day, go do your own thing and, and go figure it out. So I'm not saying the books are bad or anything like that. I'm just being very honest in that, like, I'm not driven by reading a book about some, somebody else's like a, a experience, like the entire book, right? Like that, that's not getting me to close a book and be like, okay, that said, Johnny Bovine reading his book now, right? Like, fuck. And, and, and it's cool because I get to hear it from his perspective, from like his eyes, from like what he's doing. Right. And, and he's not telling me to do that. He's just saying like, Hey man, like this is where I live. This is what I, this is what I've done. Right. Um, so those are, those are cool, cool things for me to be able to, to read and to look at. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, I, I, I read a lot when I can, but I um, but I also like to understand the real the, the here and the now. So like what what are companies doing now? What what are people saying now? Like what's changing? What isn't changing? You know, what are people loving? What are people hating? Um, and so I spend a decent amount of time kind of researching and looking at, at that stuff as best that I can.
0: So, I mean, part of that research, I mean, obviously, because you're such a historian, I would think that you're a world traveler as well. Is that correct?
1: As much as I would uh, I
0: would like to be. Yep. <laughs> so let's substitute that. I mean, obviously, like you're getting your information through leveraging history and traveling the world to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. if there's one place on this planet that that you've been to that kind of resonates in your mind that you would recommend someone to travel to, what place would
1: that be? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so Greece, 100%. Uh, so it depends on, on what you what you like. Right. So Greece is is just this incredibly cool place and, and everywhere that, that I've been in Greece has been awesome. And, and primarily just they're just laid back. They're just they're very even keeled. I mean, their roads are five feet wide and, you know, they've got these things that are practically smashing into each other. And they're just they're just thumbs up on people like they're not yelling at you. Right. And so that was really intriguing um, from a history perspective. Italy was 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 crazy for me, right? Because there's so much history in Italy and there's so much out there. And, you know, I think I talked to you about this before, but you know, vividly remember just being at this wall and like the plaque, you know, I don't remember the exact thing, but the plaque was like, this is the oldest standing structure in the world, essentially. Right. And like I'm putting my hand on it. I'm just like, I'm I'm literally in front of what's what we believe is the oldest standing structure on on earth. Right. And 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 so that stuff was is just fascinating to me, that the history behind that and understand how far back that goes um and even what we were able to accomplish that far back to know that it's still standing right so um so italy from from that historical standpoint was in down in the amalfi coast when i was just was just so unreal um to understand the breadth of 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 thousands of years of history that was happening there um, highly recommend. But Greece was was a phenomenal
0: time. <laughs> so I think I think it's definitely fascinating because, I mean, you talk about history. I mean, obviously, it's a living, breathing thing, right? It's almost like an organism. You're personifying it. So l- let's talk about, like, where your company is right now and where do you perceive, or where do you want to be remembered, let's say, 20 years from now? Like, what do you want your company to accomplish in
1: the next 20 years? Uh well, we'll growth, right? And and so I get a lot of this too. Is like, what's your plan? Like, do you want to exit, or whatever? And honestly, like, I just want to grow a really great company that like changes the game, right? I, I do believe that it's broken in some capacity. I think a lot of the reason it's broken is because people won't people won't just get in the mindset of like acknowledging that it's broken, right? They're like, oh, it's not broken. We have all these tools. And it's like, no, it's broken. Like I, like I, it's okay to acknowledge that, right? And and so and we don't though. We're just like, oh, these are these really cool tools. Who these companies are worth four billion dollars, so they must be awesome. And it's like are they though? Like you know what I mean? Like are they really accomplishing what you want? Or are they just awesome because they they're four billion, five billion dollar company, right? Like so, um, are they accomplishing what you need? So I think over the years, I'm I, I really am just hoping that we can get across to people that like it is broken. There's this. There's a way to kind of fix it. You got to be strict, and you got to be. You know, you you still got to work hard. Um, but but here's like a totally different way to think about it right like separate your sales hat and your marketing hat and understand that they are two totally different things they should work together but they are totally totally different things yeah. um and so I'm hoping you know with Maverick over time and 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 I feel like we we've, we've started to get to it but you know over time that people are going to get onto this platform and it's going to be the sales platform, right? And it's going to be the totally different way of, of doing it. Um, and, then, and then they're going to start to delineate and say we have sales and we have marketing and they are different. And guess what? We have two different platforms for them, right? Because people use Maverick, they're like, oh, well, but we have HubSpot or whatever. I'm like, great, keep those. You need a marketing platform, right? Like you're going to need that next. Once Maverick finds and identifies and curates and emails and then and you don't catch your 3%, you're gonna need now marketing and you're gonna need put for a place for people to go in marketing to get marketing material, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, we obviously wanna grow as, as, as much as we can and grow as big as we can. Um, I definitely disrupted, uh, I had a conversation about this the other day, like my, my goal really is to completely disrupt the, the industry. And I don't mean like disrupt it in a bad way, being rude. I mean, disrupt it in a way that we're making people reconsider the entire workflow of sales and marketing. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think it's definitely interesting. It's a hell of a feat. or But again, like earlier on, you said you think differently, right? And it kind of like if you think about that expression, it's always been something that's been associated to Apple and Apple has changed things a million times over, right? So yeah. stepping into that space, again, obviously, you have to play nice with these other, um, not necessarily competitors, but these other applications. So what does Maverick with the API integrate into does it integrate into HubSpot seamlessly does it integrate into other email platforms seamlessly how does it play with other um, platforms that are out there right now on the marketing side.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we have Zapier. So it can, it can plug into anything, uh, as it relates to Zapier. So, I mean, if it has Zap, we, we can utilize Zap and, and they can connect anything really seamlessly. Um, right now that is the easiest way to do it because these other platforms are changing so much, trying to hard code some, some connections into them. Uh, makes it a little bit difficult just because of the maintenance and Zapier has done a really good job of solving that problem. Um, so we do utilize that, but we, we then do have Dev API that if somebody wanted to, Physically connect it. We they could go into our dev portal, grab the API API, and and, and actually build something for themselves. Um, so they could do a full on integration from that standpoint if they wanted to. That's customizable. So you really have two options to to make it as customizable as you want, um, utilizing Zap or or the API. Hmm,
0: very cool. So let's yeah. just talk about like the, the the key demographic. I mean, obviously we're talking about a sales VP, um, a sales rep, sales department collectively. And if you're talking to them and communicating with them and and you're saying, okay, this product is going to help you to then convert sales or to get more leads, what words of insight would you like them to listen to from you to actually hear what you're saying about your platform?
1: Um. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So it is kind of the big thing, right? I mean, it, it takes time. Like there, there, you know, I talk data and talk percentage, right? Only three percent of your buy market is buying right now, right? And that's if you catch those three percent, which means ninety-seven percent need additional touches, need more time, right? And so I think that gets lost in a lot of people because they think because they have a tool, and because this tool is, is doing a a, a a whole lot of the front portion of your job that you should uh, uh, like just magically get get better results right and it's like it's it's still the same concept we're just we're just automating a certain part of it right and so for anyone that doesn't know you know Maverick is like templates and then you go out and you you tell them your target buyer and you say you know headcount industry, geographic location, seniority level here to title keywords and that goes out and finds and curates and finds LinkedIn, socials, email, phone number, company information, description, blah, blah, blah then automates that into an email sequence and starts scheduling those percent. So literally automates that entire front, front part of your business. So now it becomes, well, okay. I now have more time in my day because I don't have to do this stuff, which means that I should actually be taking care of these people through the funnel a little bit better than I was before, because I have all this time. Which means no more excuse for for miss follow-ups, no more excuse for missing like what you told people you were going to do, and no more excuse for not being able to feed marketing, you know, good warm potential prospects that they can be reaching out to. Um, so, you know, the big thing is like it, with all of this is it, it's a marathon. It really truly is. It, it takes a significant amount of time to build that subconscious relationship with people and, and you have to um and only the small smallest so percentages are going to respond to you right away um so i think it's it really just getting people whether it's maverick or whether it's another platform just getting your head wrapped around that like there's still a level there's still a level of work that i need to do to convert a vast majority of these um, but with maverick it's it's cool let's automate that front part though so like i can actually now focus on how do I convert the, the vast majority, the 97, right? And let Maverick kind of do the, the 3% of it.
0: So I'm not, I think you brought a really um, key point to this conversation and I'm going to play devil's advocate right here. Right. Cause I mean, obviously I, 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 I'm a big component of of your product. I, I love what the platform is able to do. But in the education side of a new user, first time hearing your platform, they may have some red flags. And one red flag would be, okay, well, you're talking about sourcing email addresses from different platforms. You're scraping and you're scrubbing information. Like, How viable is that information for a user considering that there's email laws, there's blacklisting and all these other things that are out there right now?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So one of the things we that we spent a lot of time on in did in building it and do now is email reputation. And it's exactly right. And so again, from experience, you know, we know what what causes what, and that, that that that's a bad thing, right? So for instance, you know, my, my uh, in a past life, I sold email deliverability services. Like I literally, as part of a packages, that's what we would sell us, right? So so we're really well versed in how to ensure that people are getting the inbox and not getting um stuff blacklisted. But but there's things that you have to do, right? So when Maverick's pulling in and again, like, hey, we're only allowing a certain amount to be dropped into the hangar per day and then scheduled out, you know, over the next five business days. So we've built Maverick in such a way that it acts like a human in, in every capacity from its working standpoint, right? So no two emails in one minute, right? It's an email now, six minutes, three minutes, four minutes, eight minutes, right? Very randomized to act like a human is sending it, right? Doesn't send on nights and weekends or any other time like holidays that you wouldn't send as a human. So it literally is designed to mimic you as a human. So we don't allow commercialized subject lines, right? Like things in your subject line that are literally a marketing subject line. We don't allow those because why? That's that's the easiest way to get a red flag and say, hey, you're going to spam. Also another reason we don't allow images and stuff embedded in the emails because again, easiest way to get yourself kind of red flag to answer the data question again this is something we spend a ton of time on and if you could really look at the back end of our platform you would find that the the mostly the biggest power of our platform is the things that you don't even see right and so when you're dealing with AI and to your point you're collecting different email addresses most of the time not most of the time but a lot of the time that data like gets in, mingled and in, intersected with other stuff and like it's collecting somebody from you know a job from five years ago with an email address of today right and so So we've actually built a system on top of a system, on top of a system, on top of a system that filters out that data even further. So once it finds it, it then says, hey, does domain match? Email domain. And if the answer is no, we don't let it go through, right? Because we're saying, well, I mean, if the email domain doesn't match the domain of the company, chances are there's something off here, right? Same with like verifying email addresses, verifying, and then it's and then it's dynamically talking back to us. So anytime somebody gets an undeliverable or they're not at the company, it dynamically talks to us and says, Hey, if you ever find this person again with this information, it's inaccurate, don't send it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're from our data perspective, we're very, very, very strict with it because because I hated it. We we all hated it, right? When we were doing lead research, and we were even, even if you go out and you find one of these companies that curates lists for you, okay, I'll give you a thousand contacts. Oh, well, cool. Well, now I got to spend the next six days going through the thousand contacts to get it down to 400 contacts that I can actually find. And of those 400 contacts, I can, you know, realistically, only about 300 are probably good, right? But now I have to take that list and I have to import it into something else and I have to do this. So there's a lot of work that still has to be done. So end of the day, I'm solving zero problems for myself. right? So we've taken that component. We've we've looked at it through a micro lens and said, like, let's get super, super granular with this stuff because as cool as it is on the onset and from the eyeballs, the back end, the data still has to be really good. Otherwise, otherwise, who cares? Right. Um, and if I just promised you a bunch of contacts and you're like, yeah, cool, but like none of them are good, then, you know, what value am I bringing to you? Yeah.
0: You know, I think, I think it's, it's a hell of a, a system that you build and the way that you just depicted it, it, it makes perfect sense. So it kind of leads me to a, like another devil's advocate. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm in the audience and I'm raising my hand and I'm just like, okay, everything you said answers my question but one question let's say i have a large database let's say i have a list or i created a list of 20,000 but you're saying that these emails are going to be like coming out like like a person maybe one every other minute or so or every 5 to 6 7 minutes or whatever 20,000 emails at at that time could be a long period of time so how how does that orchestrate how does that noise potentially work if you have a really large list how long does that list take to actually get to those people
1: Um, so, so you can import your own list into Maverick. Mm -hmm. Um, we do not dictate the timing of when you import, we will always recommend Mm -hmm. that you only import you know and schedule out you know a couple hundred a day right because once you start getting your second touches and your third touches and your fifth touches and then right like you just start to compound and compound and compound mm-hmm. so we make it very we make it very aware to them like that you can't do that in most cases and we have had some people that come to us to say hey we got a list of ten thousand people i'm like cool you can send it but it's going to take you about a year to get through that list mm-hmm. if you want to do it correctly Right. And it's, a and it's unfortunate, but, but that's just the way it, it's not really unfortunate. Right. Because if you try to do it, otherwise you are going to destroy your domain. You are going to hit spam filters. You are going to get, you know, into a situation where you can never get to the inbox again because you just sent, sent too many emails, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's recommendations in that scenario that we'll always recommend to people of like how they can do it to get those emails out. But you know, again, it's, it's, it's still going to be a process. If you want to do it correctly, you can't just send 5,000 emails at once, right? It's just, yeah. it's just bad business. It's just not going to work the way you want it to work. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, you could do it yeah. like that and, and, yeah. and versions, but yeah.
0: So like, again, so now the listeners listening, I mean, I think you answered these questions and brilliantly. So how do they get in contact with you? I mean, or do you want them to go to their Maverick website, social media? Like how do they get access to you or, or to test out the platform?
1: Yeah, so they can go to our website, book a demo, uh, or they can email me directly at Brent. or excuse me, Brent at Maverickapp.io, uh, or our head of sales Steve Wallace, and that'd be steve at maverickapp.io. Um, you know, ha love to talk to anybody, even if they just want to jump on and kind of just talk and understand it. Um, I love talking about this stuff, if, if you couldn't tell. So, um, you know, so i uh, love talking about it and be happy to. Um, but yeah, those, those would be the best ways for, for them to contact us. And then, of course, they can follow us on LinkedIn as well
0: very cool very cool so that leads us into a couple bonus questions and i think this one for you because you're such a historian there's no telling what your answer is going to be right it can be someone from bc for all the hell i know if you could spend 24 hours with anyone and that person could be obviously dead or alive you get to spend that 24 hours uninterrupted with them who would it be and
1: why Uh, um So I don't know if it would... I don't know if it would be as cool because he'd be alive. Like, I think it'd be cool now, but probably John F. Kennedy. Hmm. Um, I, I've i been, since I was a little kid, kind of infatuated with, with the whole John F. Kennedy thing. Uh, you know, I, I've probably read... M- almost every book you can about the Kennedys and like just just because the, the, the Kennedy story is fascinating to me, right? Like it it's fascinating John F. Kennedy, but it's fascinating just the Kennedys in general and how many of them have died and like well, like like that kind of that curse of them, right? But also what they built and, and what they built as as a family. Um and then but I also think John F. Kennedy was like a, a totally different animal in, in politics back then. Like I, I think I think had he not died, he probably would have created something completely different in in the political spectrum than than what we have today or that we're used to like i I think he would have kind of rewritten it Mm -hmm. um so i I think that it would be uh, and again if he, he had lived forever and i could do it and there wasn't the assassination maybe i wouldn't be be so driven to it but but i think it would just be really interesting to sit down and kind of just understand that at such a young age like speaking to people like that and getting into that view and what your family went through and what, you know, he had to go through, um, and his wartime stories. I mean, they're, they're it's incredible. What he did in the war and like, you know, dragging people by his teeth to shore, you know, from his YouTube boat, like those are, that's just stuff that I would just like love to understand the mindset of when you're there and you're in that moment. Um, you know, what's, 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 what's keeping you alive, like what's driving you. Right. Cause I've never been in that moment. So, um, see, so yeah, I, I, I'd say it probably have to be JFK.
0: Cool. Cool. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Like I said, I had no clue. It could have
0: been been (laughs) anyone on the spectrum,
1: right? I mean, mean, there would be tons of them, though. I mean, like Caesar would be cool. Just again, like, just to understand, like, that Roman Empire and, like, what that's all about. Like, there's just, you know, there's a ton of them. Very cool.
0: So going into closing, man, I, I like when I interview people, especially people of, of your caliber, I like to give you the opportunity to become the, the host of the Boston Cage podcast. So now the Boston Cage show is yours. You're the host. I'm your guest. You're interviewing me. What questions
1: do you have for me? Oh, man. All right. Uh, when did you start? When did you start Boston Gage? Uh February 2020. What drove you to, to do it? <laughs>
0: surviving the damn stroke and just trying to figure out my next steps. But I mean, honestly, it was just kind of like, it kind of fell into my lap, man. Like literally yeah. I was starting to learn more about the online platforms. I had got into Shopify, I started a Shopify store, and I was learning like all the nuances behind it, got into a marketing group. Uh, and at the same time I was writing books. And then I fell across a, a fellow podcaster and and he was having a topic talk and he was speaking. And I was just kind of like, dude, like, that's it. Podcasting. And like, in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to create a podcast. So it took me a couple months to figure things out. And then I started a podcast after that. Wow.
1: And then it's just been uphill from there.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, the first year yeah. was more so me just kind of figuring it out. Cause you know, I- I've had media background more so the guy behind the camera behind yeah. like the technology so i understood the tech but once you get in front of the camera and you start interviewing people that that's a whole different art form and style and i started studying that i mean for me more so looking at oprah like oprah to me is like the pinnacle of like an interview like the way her mannerisms her body language the style of her questions the research that she does and you know like i'm not striving to be oprah but taking what i learned from her and implementing that but year one i didn't know any of that so, now that I have a grasp of it, I make sure every episode I put that into it
1: sure yeah that's interesting, so you said you 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 went through a stroke to to kind of get you to that point,
0: yeah, literally,
1: yeah tell me about that real quick. I mean, I was just working myself
0: to death, man. It kind of goes back to like what you're talking about with your dad earlier, which is kind of like, you know, you're working and working and working. And, you know, I was jumping between multiple different corporations. You know, at the time I was a creative director. I had just got primary full custody of my son within, you know, like like that decade. I was building my company at the same time. And then I was, I got to learn more. So I became a travel agent. I became an insurance agent. I was growing an agency. I started working at multiple different companies, you know, like, 30 days here, 60 days there, 90 days there. And I was just learning their systems and then leaving that company. And I was adding what I learned from that company into my process, into my systems. So I I think I just bit off way more than I can chew as an individual person versus, you know, Hiring the right people and hiring people that were good at what they were doing and outsourcing to people versus trying to do everything internally in my head. It was kind of like my head was this big, but in reality, like my brain was like expanding this far and my, my head just couldn't handle it. And obviously my shit just
1: popped. So, yeah, you hear a lot about that, you know, so, I mean, I'm not, you know, it's it's a tough situation, but not entirely surprising to understand, like you, you, you hit a wall at some point you know what I mean. <laughs> like you ever think you ever look back now and, and feel like there's a particular moment where you either said like I I'm not going to make it or I am going to make it you know what I mean like there is like
0: as far as the success or as far as being alive <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a great point <laughs> well so i'd say both um but but i did mean more on the success side of things and kind of where where you, you are with the company
0: Yeah, I think I think that goes for every entrepreneur. I mean, I've had an opportunity to interview hundreds of people on on this particular show, and I could hear it in their voices at one time or the other. There's always that sense of doubt, right? There's always that hurdle. There's always an obstacle. But even in that sense of doubt, there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. There's always opportunity for you to push forward. So I think just like any other entrepreneur, whether I'm successful as I want to be, hell no, I think there's still so much more I can do and I'm going to do. I'm just not where I want to be. But the perception to someone that's now meeting me be like, oh, my God, he's doing all these different things and he's this, he has this level of success. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, I'm like a, a drop in the ocean. Essentially, I want to be my own lake, if that makes sense.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's a repression here because I, I, you know, now, of course, even but but certainly as I was growing this thing, even where it is now, I mean, the amount of times where I was just like, what am I doing? Like seriously, like, what am I doing? Like what, like, what? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm not sure of the next steps, like, is this a, the smart thing to do and the right thing to do? So it's kind of refreshing to understand, you know, to your point, I think every, every entrepreneur probably goes through it, yep. you know, what, um, what's one piece of advice that, that, that you like to give people about kind of just your, in your experiences of like, this is a big thing that I learned. This is just kind of shaped, shaped my direction of, of thought process or whatever. Um, what's thing one thing you like to tell people? Oh
0: man, there's, there's so many different variables to, to that that question. But I, I would say just look at as everything as, as small bites and it kind of goes back to the analogy that I said, a drop, a lake in versus an ocean. I mean everyone's viewpoint is that they want to be the 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 abyss. They want to be the largest, the biggest things on, on on the damn planet. But you have to understand that it starts with one drop, right? Think of it more like a leak of a leaky pipe. If the pipe keeps leaking, eventually that, that water will fill up your basement and then it'll come out your house and then it'll you know eventually. it'll it'll just keep going, right? So you have to kind of think about these small steps. You can't be the ocean overnight. The ocean wasn't essentially formed overnight. Like you and I, we talked about like the Grand Canyon. That shit didn't happen overnight. It didn't get that big just Woke up on a random Tuesday and was like oh there's a hole in the fucking earth like that shit doesn't happen you have to take these steps and procedures For me it was going through everything that I went through because again I didn't hit this the level of success I am at now until I had to go through all that bullshit almost die and then create this new brand and rebrand myself and then in less than two years everything I've done in two years outweigh what I've done 15 years before it. It was like a night. Right. The, it was like, right. what the hell? Two years versus fifteen years. Why the fuck did not do that fifteen years before? Right,
1: right. So now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I mean, great advice. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I, and I agree. I agree reluctantly because, like, I've I've fallen into that same boat, right? And and so, um. You know, it it's it's hard to get around that, right? Because you you see everybody because mo- and I think we talked about this. Like most of the people you hear about, like, are all the big fish. Like, of course you're gonna hear about them, right? Because they're like they're big, like that's what they are. But you're talking about the smallest of smallest of percentages that you're hearing about, right? Like there are all these other companies that are doing phenomenal things that you have absolutely no idea about. Uh and you know, and in and, and they're doing great. And and you don't your brain doesn't get there, right? Your brain's your brain's on the, the big fish and like, oh, I gotta be, you know, sales force or whatever. And it's like, no, no, you don't. Like it's okay. You know, just grow something great. Um, so yeah, I I, I agree with you heartily, but it's it's good advice. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that to the the last point that you just made, I mean, the irony of it is like, you know, I had opportunity to interview a billionaire on this show before, and she was ranked number 21 on fours, but she's not a household name. And to put things in perspective, I was like, okay, look, Oprah is ranked number 10. This female is ranked number 21. And then I was like, the founder of Spanx is ranked number 22, 23. So everyone knows the founder of Spanx. But nobody knows this individual person. But the, the irony was, uh, as I was interviewing her, she, one, she's humble. But two, more importantly than anything else, she made the statement that, that resonated with me. She was like, well, like people don't really know who she is, but three out of five homes has her product in it, like okay. on, on a global scale. So yeah. you may never have heard of her, but you're using her products every single day. And she's she's living the life because of that, but she's not a household name. So that goes back to your point. There's people that are, you could be sitting down at Dan Waffle House next to someone that's worked, Ten billion dollars will never even know. <laughs> they have no idea,
1: no, no clue. No. <laughs> you have no idea, and it doesn't. in you know, the grand scheme, of it doesn't matter, right? And so, um yeah, I, I think that's that's. I, I didn't know that, that you had done that, but that's that's a really good example. right? I mean, they're literally right next to each other on the on the Forbes, and and you have no idea who she is. So <laughs> No idea who she is, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's a semiconductor
0: manufacturer and the third the, the the third largest in the world at that. So it just kind of yeah. shows to say that again, you could never know. And, and and it's probably more of a a perception for that individual to bet that's a better life to live than saying Jeff Bezos. like Jeff Bezos can't go to the corner store. He can't go to the gas station, but she Uh, can easily go to the gas station and go to the drugstore and not have any problems whatsoever.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You know, I, I, and even from a driving perspective, like I do often think back like those big companies of too, it helps me because at one point they were nothing, right? So like, I do think back, you know, we even talked about this, like Jeff Bezos with that like stupid print of Amazon in his office, like he had zero clue at that point where his success would be, right? But he just kept driving it forward and driving it forward. He had no idea he'd eventually be the richest man in the world, yeah. right? And and not necessarily that's where he was even driving to, like his drive was just like build Amazon to, to a cool online book company, right? And so, um, but, every one of these, Walmart, like, you know, even JP Morgan, like all of these, like at some point they were, they were nothing and they just had to drive to something. And, um, you know, and I think we've both talked about it a little bit to length, but just the idea that it takes time, like you, it starts with a drop of water, right. You just got to build and grow, um, and just do the right things and, and the rest will kind of follow.
0: Yeah, and I think on a closing note, I mean going back to to the image behind you, I mean it just becomes the belief, the belief in yourself, the belief in the product, the belief in the service, the belief in the brand and the belief in in and like you said earlier, changing the world and believing that you're actually going to do it and then actually do it.
1: Yeah, I um I this is behind me cuz I do love this cuz sh- yeah. yeah. uh cuz I do love the show um uh Lasso, but but I I just love the the sentiment of it like what it is. It's so simple. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful, right? Like literally if you just believe in in kind of what you're doing and believe in the path that you're going, like it speaks volumes. Like I'm a big believer in manifestation. I truly believe that I can manifest almost anything that I want in terms of, of my life um, to an extent. Right. But, but that, that goes with believing. It's because like you truly believe that it's, that it's possible, you truly believe that it's going to happen. So I, you know, I have this behind me because it's, it's so important to kind of just my, my mentality is just always believe when I sit at my desk every day, I just believe, 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 believe. Right. And and if I have that in my heart in my head, um, you know, it, I, I believe that it'll happen, you know? Um, so yeah. So, so big fan of, of, of kind of just the, the simple mentality of believe in what you're doing and believe which direction you want to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think on that note, I mean, I think this was a hell of an episode. I definitely appreciate you being here today and dropping like the insights of who you are as a person and what your philosophies are and what your your company is designed to do and how they're helping people in the world of sales today. So I definitely
1: appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a blast. I, I had a lot of fun. I, I, I figured it wouldn't be though, because we, we tend to have some good conversations. So I, I thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been awesome. I'm uh, really glad I was able to share with everybody what we're doing and um, you know, hope we can kind of reach, reach more people, you know, in the future. So thanks. Yeah. Yep. Well,
0: I think on a side note, I mean, obviously next step is for you to, to become a podcaster yourself, or at least start right. a podcast for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. We, we will definitely do it. It's a, it's a must. Um, You know, it's something that we need to do and, and we've been talking about it for a while. So, you
0: know, we just
1: need a little, we we'll just need a little guidance, boss guidance. You know.
0: <laughs> well, definitely appreciate you, man. S.A. Grant over and out. Or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 233 BOSS. That's 762 233 2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a Boss and Cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's Insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free